Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning Shot. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Audrey Seek. Now, the past week saw the United States and China tucking in some positivity under their belt. U.S. has narrowly averted a government shutdown after its President Joe Biden signed a short-term government funding bill, though leaving a larger spending clash for Congress early next year. Meanwhile, when President Biden met his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping on the sidelines of the APEC summit, there was a subtle but noticeable shift in the power dynamic between both nations that have really spent most of the past few years denouncing, undercutting and imposing sanctions on each other. So for more insights, we're joined by Ross Feingold. He's the director of business development at SafePro Group. Good morning, Ross. Thanks for joining The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Great to have you on. Lots to get into today, but let's first start with the almost shutdown in D.C. Wanted to get your opinion on this stopgap bill. As you know, this bill creates, you know, two new shutdown deadlines in January and February. What do you make of it? Is this just a move to, you know, maybe delay an imminent shutdown? You know, as much as I'd like to say that uh, nobody wants a shutdown, the truth is some members of Congress do want a shutdown because they really want to cut spending, which uh, one could say is an admirable goal. But forcing the government into a shutdown might not be uh, an admirable methodology. Uh, Frankly, we have to assume the worst, and that is that they're going to go down to the deadline dates the two different dates for different departments of of the federal government. And uh, there there is a likelihood of a shutdown. And even though we'd also like to think that in an election year, Mm. no members of Congress want to be responsible for shutting down the government, the the likelihood is still high because there's some very conservative members on the House side uh, in the Republican caucus, and they they have certain demands, and it it becomes very hard to craft a bill that could actually pass. A continuing resolution, that could pass because Democrats Democrats can support that. Uh, But any bill that has uh, significant spending cuts is difficult to pass. So January 19th and February 2nd, we might be looking at shutdowns for different government agencies again. Wow. Well, let's take a look at this globally for a minute here. Maybe also worth noting that this stopgap bill does not include additional aid for Israel or Ukraine. What are your thoughts on this? What kind of impact will this have given that these conflicts are, you know, far from over? Broadly speaking, there's support on both the Senate side and the House side for additional aid to to Israel as well as Ukraine. The problem is, what kind of legislative vehicle do you attach to it? So a lot of Republicans, uh, they might want to move through a bill that is just Israel, and then they separately want to move a bill for Ukraine, but attach uh, an unrelated issue, whether that's border security, so more money to secure the southern border, or they want to cut funding for the IRS, which was uh, an agency that received significantly more funding in recent years. Uh, but, But the Republicans say that a lot of that funding is to go after the middle class, The Democrats say that additional IRS funding is to go after wealthy people who aren't paying their fair share of taxes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this one is another tough one to call. Again, there's broad support to give more money to Israel and and to Ukraine. But the problem is, how do you actually get that through a very divided and very partisan House of Representatives? Yeah, Uh, well, we definitely want to get back into this. But let's turn to U.S.-China for a moment. You know, all eyes definitely were on U.S. President Biden and Chinese President Xi. Um, Their sit down in San Francisco really was the first time they got to meet in over a year. Um, How would you assess the progress on the diplomacy and ties between these two big nations? 
Well, there were nice smiles when, when Xi Jinping arrived and got out of the car. Uh, there, there was quite a big handshake and big smiles on the face of Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. Perhaps both those guys are, are optimists, but I'm going to take a pessimistic view. And he, even though they announced some progress on joint initiatives, you know, resumption of military to military contact, China has said uh, that they're going to do more to stop the flow of fentanyl precursor chemicals from China to Mexico. Uh, they agreed on more flights, some other types of people-to-people exchanges, some things on climate change. The trouble with the relationship is there's a lot more issues than just the ones that they reached agreement on, whether that's human rights concerns, all these near misses in the South China Sea or the Taiwan Strait or the East China Sea, the war in Ukraine where the United States has repeatedly expressed concern that China is assisting uh, Russia. Uh, Iran is another issue that divides the two countries. And of course, Taiwan. And there's always the... uh, unknown things such as who could who could have imagined that there'd be something like the balloon incident er, mm-hmm. earlier this year that that really wrecked a potential trip by secretary of state blinken to china at the time uh, so we have to assume that some of these unknown or some of these more contentious issues are going to pop back up in ways that we can't predict and it's not going to be far off into the future it could be in the next few weeks or the next few months so uh, although they they had a nice chit chat and everybody looked like they were smiling and they walked around the grounds of, of the, the uh, facility of the mansion where they met and it appeared like they were getting along. Uh, I'm going to say that there's too much stuff on the downside that could occur. Yeah, you're right. Definitely some tension there despite being all smiles. So bearing this in mind, right, and then going back to the shutdown, lawmakers still under pressure to try to negotiate and pass full year spending bills. So bringing China into all this, uh, what sort of cascade effects might a U.S. government shutdown have on its relations specifically with China as well as its current standing on the global stage? That's such a great question because we have to remember uh, when it comes to China policy, something that began in the Trump administration was a whole of government approach. So it's not just the State Department that needs to have uh, China policy or has a very long to-do list when it comes to China. Other significant agencies do as well, whether that's the Commerce Department or the Treasury Department, the Energy Department or the education department. And if all those people can't go to work because of a government shutdown, that means they can't be uh, making decisions about China-related issues, and they can't be meeting other countries as well. So the work of the federal government, including much of the diplomatic work, uh, other types of work that has an effect on international trade or foreign policy, again, in agencies like the Commerce Department, all of that will come to a halt. And uh, if other countries make a phone call to their counterparts in, in the United States, federal government agency, they're not going to get anyone on the phone because mm. people won't be able to come to work. So it's, it's a very significant issue, not just for what transpires in the United States, but uh, as you said, on the world stage, people won't be able to find America because it won't be on the stage while the government is shut down. Absolutely. Both domestic and global issues definitely at play here. So I'm going to ask you to speculate a little, okay, Ross? If the U.S. government isn't able to prevent a shutdown early 2024, how would we feel it here in Asia? What effects will we see in the markets or elsewhere? Well, like I said, the whole the whole federal government comes to a halt. So that means things like trade policy, economic policy, the ability for the United States to participate in regional meetings, all of those things will be affected, especially here in Asia. You know, there, there's this terrible recent history over the last 10 years going back to the Obama administration. And it's continued into the Trump and, and the Biden administrations that sometimes the United States just doesn't show up for regional meetings. Mm. You know, the, probably the only reason why we, we could be sure that the U.S. showed up for APEC 
back last week was it was in the United States. <laughs> uh, but U- U.S. presidents have, have a recent history of periodically not showing up. Mm. And whatever international forums are going to occur in the spring uh, of 2024, there is this risk that the United States representatives from whatever government agency that they're representing, they won't show up. And, and of course, again, that, that just raises the question, because when we look at what China does, by comparison, they're everywhere. They're attending meetings. Yeah. They're having bilateral, multilateral events with countries, not just in Southeast Asia, but in Africa and the Middle East. Their leadership, their foreign policy leadership are constantly on the road, uh, and they spend a lot of time traveling outside of China. And uh, if the U.S. government shuts down, then all of that comes to a halt, and things, you know, life goes on without the United States in those situations. It's just there's an empty seat where the United States uh, leadership will suffer. Yeah, well, some interesting points you made there. And before we let you go, I have to ask you this. Let's take a quick look back in time, okay? The U.S. government has shut down 10 times over the past 40 plus years, and it seems like it's been a recurring issue. And it has to be said, no other nation uh, shuts down a government like that. So why does this uniquely American phenomenon keep happening? You know, what are the root causes here? Ah, it's the beauty of American democracy. Uh, some of those re- representatives, again, especially on the House uh, side of Congress, more so than the Senate side, they genuinely believe that their constituents sent them to Congress to reduce federal spending. But it's just very difficult to achieve that goal, especially when we have a divided Congress. We have a House that uh, has a Republican majority and a Senate that barely has a Democrat majority. But the, you know, we have two different parties in control of the two houses. And there's a Democrat in the White White House has made it very clear that he won't sign bills that include certain kinds of uh, spending cuts. Although, again, bills with significant spending cuts are just not going to pass the Democrat Senate. Mm. Uh, and that brings us to, to a standstill. Absolutely. Well, so much to unpack there as we look ahead to the new year. Uh, we'll keep a close eye on this. And Ross, thanks for joining us from Taipei on breakfast and have a good rest of the morning. Thank you. We've been speaking with Ross Feingold. He's the Director of Business Development at SafePro Group. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.